Welcome to OK-ish, a podcast all about mental health in the modern world. I'm Mary Ellen Dance, a licensed mental health therapist, here to strip away misunderstandings about therapy and share exactly what I do in an honest way. Don't worry, you won't hear inspirational quotes or be told to spend more time doing self-care. I'm here to get to the real stuff using my own experiences as a therapist and as a really messy human being. Come and laugh at yourself with me as you learn not how to become great, but how to become okay-ish. Hello, I'm your host, Mary Ellen Dance. I hope everyone listening is having a very okay-ish Wednesday. Please, please, please follow along on Instagram at Mary Ellen Dance. There you will find upcoming episode topics, challenges related to each episode, and of course, you can message me so we can chat all about okay-ish things. So today, I want to dive right in because we are going to talk trauma. All right, you all know the deal, but I just want to say again, if anything is triggering, please turn this off. We do not want you to be triggered. Also, this is not official medical advice or therapy. This is just a podcast where I share my experiences and thoughts in my own words. So today I want to talk about, you know, what trauma is, what EMDR is, if you've ever heard of that. If you haven't, you're in for a real treat. And how those two things work together. All right. So trauma is kind of a big deal. I mean, it's kind of a big deal. PTSD, which you may have heard of, stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. And people can experience traumatic events without developing PTSD. We'll get into that a little bit later. But my brother-in-law, who's really smart, but doesn't know he's not in the mental health field, he thought that only veterans could have PTSD. And I thought, wow, if he thinks that, there must be lots of people that think that. But guess what? Anyone can have PTSD. So yeah, it's really common in veterans due to the trauma that veterans experience, but anyone can have PTSD. And like I said, having trauma doesn't mean you have PTSD. If you've experienced trauma and you do not have PTSD, that doesn't make your trauma any less real or significant. It just means that you haven't developed that disorder. And there's all sorts of trauma. There's acute, chronic, and complex traumas. And I'm not going to go into the details. I'm just sharing to show that trauma looks different for different people in different situations. It's not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. So it's actually really interesting. In 2005, which you guys, that was not a long time ago, (laughs) the term quote-unquote, trauma-informed care came out in the psychology world. And what that term meant is that the powers that be, the people who coined that term, wanted practitioners, wanted mental health therapists to go from thinking what's wrong with this client instead to what happened to this client, right? Looking at things in a trauma-informed way. Instead of, oh, what's wrong? What are the symptoms? Looking at, okay, what's happened to this client? What traumas exist? So 
that term was coined in 2005. I started in this field in 2011. And when I started in the field, trauma-informed care was such a buzz phrase. Like every meeting was about how to be more trauma-informed, which is awesome. It's incredible. But trauma is honestly so, so complicated and complex that I really didn't feel comfortable with trauma until I became trained in EMDR. And I know like 1% of it, right? There's so much to know and it looks so different in everyone. It's really, really fascinating. But talking today is super exciting for me because I'm obsessed with EMDR. (laughs) I think it's the coolest thing ever. So I'm excited to talk about it. EMDR is a newer type of therapy that stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. Before I go any further, no, it is not hypnotism, but it's really freaking cool. EMDR is based from structural dissociation theory, and I promise that's the last time I'm going to use a fancy term today. (laughs) Now I'll just explain in terms that make sense to me. So this, this structural dissociation theory that EMDR is based off of basically says that when events happen to us, any events like going to the grocery store, whatever it may be, those events get stored in our brains. So if an event is adaptively stored, meaning it's fully processed, the event happened, it doesn't affect us, it's literally just like a piece of information, it's stored in our cortex in like a nice little box with a little bow on it, or at least that's how I think of it. Now, when events happen to us that are maladaptively stored, meaning we haven't fully processed, accepted, or understood the information, those things get stored in our limbic systems in our brain. And those maladaptive pieces of information stay stuck, right? So the whole point of what I'm saying right now is that there's kind of like a, a good side of like adaptively stored information and a bad side of maladaptively stored information, And that sounds pretty crappy, right? Like, we want all our information to be adaptively stored in the cortex. At least I do. You know, I know I want all the things that have happened to me to be in, like, a nice little filing box in my cortex so they don't negatively affect me. Well, guess what? Our brains are such cool places that our brains agree with that. Our brains want information to all be adaptively stored in the cortex, wants us to all be good so this information that's happened to us is not negatively affecting us. So our brains are always moving information that's nasty and not processed from the limbic system to the cortex. So let me give an example. You know the phrase, time heals all wounds? That's kind of true. So like when my first boyfriend broke up with me, I couldn't talk about it without crying. Because it was maladaptively stored in my limbic system. But over time, my brain naturally just moved that unprocessed information into my cortex to be processed and adaptively stored. And now I can talk about it without having any type of emotional reaction. It's literally just like a piece of historical information. That's our brain doing stuff. Like, that's not just time. That's our brain actually, like, getting to work, which is so cool. 
So where trauma comes in is within this theory, when trauma happens, the brain is unable to move that nasty information from the limbic system to the cortex. So it just like stays stuck in the limbic system, right? I would hate to be stuck with the feelings I had the day my first boyfriend broke up with me. Like that, that would suck, right? But a crazy thing about all of this is people experience trauma. It stays stuck in the limbic system. But like life goes on. Like we have to keep living life, which is like crazy to think about, but also that's just what we got to do. And so those of us who have been affected by trauma come up with ways to live life while still having that icky information stuck in that limbic system. So ways that people do that is like repressing trauma, repressing memories, aka forgetting the trauma, which I think is like the coolest thing that our brains can do for us is say, you can't handle this right now, I'm going to forget. I think that's so cool. But another way that our brains do do this, go on and live life with all this icky information not being processed, is we do that by dissociating. Okay, so I'm throwing a lot of information out at you. (laughs) Feel free to pause if you're overwhelmed. But I want to talk for a second about that word dissociating. Because that word sounds super scary, but it's not really. We all have levels of dissociating all the time. Like, have you ever been driving and you kind of like zone out and you get to your destination and you're like, oh my gosh, how the hell did I get here? (laughs) Yeah, that's a form of dissociating. That's not always bad. Like, it's okay. Sometimes trauma is too much to handle. All that icky stuff that's not processed in our brain is too much to handle. And at that moment, dissociating is our only way to cope. Now, the example I gave of driving is obviously a very mild form, and dissociating is not like the goal of life, right? It's not great. You know, dissociating for those struggling with PTSD often looks like having flashbacks of the traumatic event, which is really scary, but it's going to a different time, right? So dissociation, as scary as it is, and as much as that's not the goal, ultimately, it's like a coping skill, It helps us so that when things are really overwhelming, like trauma, we feel less overwhelmed and we still live our lives with this nasty information stuck in our limbic system. I hope that makes sense. It's super, super interesting. So people with complex trauma, people with serious trauma, people who experience PTSD are often dissociating all the time. You know, I'll see it in my office where someone with trauma may be talking about something and then kind of like zone out a little bit or what appears to be zoning out a little bit or like forgetting what they're saying or like getting confused because they dissociate into that trauma world in their mind. It's really, really scary. So we obviously don't want this icky information stuck in the limbic system. We obviously don't want people dissociating and having flashbacks of their trauma and stuff like that. That sucks. That's where EMDR comes in. So the woman who developed EMDR realized that this natural process our brains do of moving information from the limbic system to the cortex happens most often during REM sleep. 
Fun fact, have you ever had a recurring dream? These theories state that recurring dreams are your brain like trying to move that information over to the cortex and not being able to. So it just like keeps trying and keeps trying and keeps trying. So freaking cool. So anyways, this woman who invented or who developed EMDR was like, great. If this moving of the information to the cortex happens during REM sleep, let's imitate REM sleep while someone is awake to make this process go a little bit faster and to do it in a safe way so that the person will not get re-traumatized. By the way, super important to know, talking about trauma is the, the best way to get through the trauma to process it, but it can also re-traumatize the person. Because that person can go into like the dissociation and feel like they're re-experiencing the trauma. And we don't want that. So if you're ever around someone who experienced a trauma, please be very, very careful with the questions you ask. We do not want them to go into a dissociative flashback state because like I said, that will just re-traumatize them. So like a lot of work in EMDR, a lot of the therapist's job with EMDR is making sure the person is based in the present moment so that when talking about the trauma, they know they're talking about a memory and they're not re-experiencing it. So EMDR actually includes eight phases of treatment. And one of the phases is where the therapist will move their fingers back and forth. The client follows the fingers with their eyes and talks about their trauma. Okay, I'll admit it's a little bit more complicated than that, but that's the gist of it. And the idea is that this helps things move from the limbic system to the cortex. It helps your brain do what your brain naturally does. So I mentioned earlier that anyone can have trauma and that trauma doesn't necessarily mean something horrible happened to you. And I want to explain on that a little bit more. So in the psychology world, we call them big T's or little T's. So the big T is the type of trauma that that we all kind of picture assault, death, violence, things like that. But little T's, little traumas can be anything, anything depending on the person. Um, so the first day of my EMDR training, I walked in with a ginger ale and saltines. Earlier that week, I had been really sick, like hospitalized sick. And since being sick, I had not been able to keep any food down. But I was not missing this training. (laughs) And I'm going to let you know, I didn't feel traumatized at all from being sick. I had a nasty stomach thing, had to go to the hospital, was given some anti-nausea meds, was rehydrated, and then just hadn't gotten my full appetite or energy back. But I didn't feel traumatized at all. But what I did feel was afraid to eat. Like nervous that whatever I was going to eat was going to make me sick again, right? So I wanted to play it safe. That coupled with just like not having my full appetite back, not having a lot of energy, still rehydrating, all that stuff. So anyways, I walk into this training with my ginger ale and saltines and I'm going to be honest, I was not looking healthy. And so the trainer said, okay, Mary Ellen, you were sick. You know, I let everyone know that I'd been sick. She said, let's do EMDR about you being sick. And honestly, I was a little weirded out (laughs) because I didn't know much about EMDR going into this. And I was like, my sickness was annoying, but it wasn't a trauma. Well, guess what happened? 
As I was talking about being sick while the trainer was moving her fingers and doing EMDR, I started to remember things that I hadn't remembered or thought about. Like one of the things was when I was really, really sick, my dog was in the bathroom with me laying on the floor. He was with me. And little memories like that kept coming into my brain. And after we did this little round of EMDR, guess how I felt? Hungry. I felt hungry. It turns out that me being sick was a little tea. It was stuck in the limbic system. There were pieces and portions that I wasn't remembering, and it had translated into me being fearful to eat again. Now, don't get me wrong, I didn't go eat like a spicy burrito, but I certainly slammed some of those saltines after. And so I'm sharing that because that's just an example of how we as humans have little teas all the time. Now, without the EMDR, would I have been able to eat again? Absolutely. It may have just like taken me a little bit longer, or maybe I would have felt a little bit like scared for longer than I did. Big teas, big traumas are different than that, obviously. But I'm sharing this to show that events that happen to us go through the same path in our brains. One last thing that I want to touch on quick is how a certain event can happen to two people and one person can develop PTSD and the other doesn't. Well, there's lots and lots of reasons for this, but one of the reasons that I'm going to talk about today is the processing. Let's say one of the people experiencing the trauma immediately talks about what happened, gets support, goes into therapy, all of that. They have a much lower risk of developing PTSD. So when there's like a school shooting or, you know, a a workplace death or something happens in a community and they bring a crisis counselor in, a huge piece of that is so that the people experiencing the trauma can work on processing it immediately so it doesn't get stuck and stored in the limbic system because that processing immediately helps to lower the risk of developing PTSD. So today, I know I shared a lot of information with you, and I did not share. I have lots and lots of really, really fascinating stories about people with trauma, people who have overcome trauma, amazing things. I purposely didn't share those stories with you all today because this is a podcast. I don't want to trigger anyone or re-traumatize anyone or anything like that. But if you want to know more about trauma, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. And the other thing I want to say is, you know how I always get annoyed when people use mental health terms in the wrong way or as like slang terms? Like, oh, I went through such a trauma, right? I actually kind of like when people use trauma in that way because it shows that there are so many big T's that are not being talked about that need to and so, so many little T's that also fall under that trauma category that we need to be aware of. But the most important thing to be aware of by far is that we can experience trauma and we can work through it to become okay-ish. Disclaimer, this podcast is produced for your universal listening pleasure. Any statements shared during our program are opinions and experiences of our team and guests. If you disagree with any content presented herein, Please find another show before submitting nasty grams. This is a positive vibes only platform. If you love our show and want to connect, share your experiences, 
or know someone who we should interview on future episodes, please don't hesitate to get in touch through our website or Instagram. Thanks for listening to this program brought to you by Daydreamer Network. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Your feedback allows us to rank on the best new shows list and continue to grow our podcasts in order to bring more unique and talented storytellers to the network. To check out our shows, including programs about relationships, sports, business, nutrition, leisure, and more, head to www.daydreamernetwork.com. We look forward to seeing you back next week for another great episode. Have a wonderful day.